This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Guido's Pizza. Located on International Airport Road in Anchorage, Guido's has been serving the best pizza, pasta, sandwiches, and more since 1984. Guido's is open daily for dine-in service from 11 a.m. to midnight, and they do takeout and delivery until 2 a.m. Whether I'm dining in a Guido's or ordering for delivery, the hardest part for me is always choosing what to get because they have so many amazing items on their menu. If you're looking for a quick bite or want to order food for a big party, Guido's is the place to go. Tell them Jeff from the Landmine sent you. Okay, back here in studio with uh, Alaska's only NASCAR driver. Damn, Keith McGee. Yep. What's yeah. going on? My friend, our friend Rose set this up. She works in legislature and she knows you and yeah, we were talking I've about known it. Rose for a while. And I said, I got to get this guy on the podcast. Um, I want to talk about your NASCAR career, kind of coming to Alaska and all that. But before we start, the reason this kind of got started was, so Olympians get the PFD. Yep. Because they're gone a lot doing, you know, Olympic Olympics training, whatever. But like professional, other professional sports players don't. Yeah. Yeah. Or, it was something athletes. I found out kind of, I guess, the hard way. So in 2020, I left for North Carolina for majority of the years so I could chase this dream of, of racing in NASCAR at the elite levels. And then I quickly found out that with my racing schedule, it takes me out of state more than 90 days, mm-hmm. which disqualifies me from the PFD. And then I started looking into it, but they've got stipulations for for Olympians. They also have stipulations for Alaskans working in DC Yep. for like the delegation or for the senators or they have Peace Corps. My buddy was in Peace Corps. They get, so there, there are exceptions. There are. Yeah. Quite a few exceptions, but nothing for professional athletes. I think you need to get a bill, buddy. You got to talk to some legislator and get a bill. Yeah. And that's what we're working on. Um, Hopefully this, this uh, session will get it passed to, to incorporate the professional athletes because in the census we're, we're still counted as residents, right? I'm an Alaskan resident. Mm -hmm. So it essentially isn't going to cost any more money. It's already the PFD money that's set aside for us. We just disqualify because we're gone for that 90 days. It, it, it'll cost every Alaskan point zero 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 one because No, it won't cost them at all because that money's already set aside for us because we're we're residents, right? So it's not going to cost Alaskans any money. Well, there's, there's money. like a lot of residents, like there's like snowbirds and people who, who are residents, but they don't, right. they don't stay long enough. So I guess what they, they do is they take the amount of money they have and they divide it by... Yeah, How many well, I th- people are qualified. I think and- they take that excess for the the people that the residents that don't qualify, and then they work it into the budget somewhere else. There, there, there's also people that uh, they get garnished, you know, like yeah. child support type. So that oh, yeah. goes into a different kind of fund. But um, yeah, I have a friend actually who works for a Native, Alaska Native Corporation. He's a geologist, and he works in the lower 48. Basically, they've kind of gotten more work done there over the last several years. So he's been. In the East Coast, he's Maryland, and yeah. you know they're doing working down there, doing jobs. So he's working for the company down there, and he's been gone a lot, and he still lives here. Everything he's still in Alaska, but he doesn't get it. Yeah. And I was saying the kind of same things like if you're working for like an Alaska company, and that work takes you somewhere, you know, I guess at some point you start to expand it out a little, you know, maybe too much. But but I mean, I do think for if the Olympians are getting it, then, yeah, then yeah, you all should get it. You know, as a professional athlete we're representing Alaska and Alaskans when we're out competing and, you know, being the first ever Alaskan to race in NASCAR, you know, there's a lot of eyes that are on me. I get a lot of people that come up and talk about how they were stationed here, how mm-hmm. they used to live here, how they love coming here. And so, you know, we are just a representation of where we come from. And so to be able to go out and represent Alaska, but to kind of fall into this category of, you know, we don't qualify mm-hmm. for, for the PFD type of thing. And, 
I kind of just want to get that changed for the future athletes that come behind me that, you know, they can go down. And well, I go down to Juno for the session. So I'll be, if that comes up, I'll be, I'll be watching that. But, um, so I want to talk a little bit about you and NASCAR. So I don't really, I, I watch it like with friends. I'm not like a yeah. NASCAR enthusiast. I, when I think of NASCAR, I think of the, uh, NASCAR, the car things, um, maybe like Dale Earnhardt Jr. type, but yeah. then I was reading up on you and you, you do the truck one. Yeah. So, um, there's, there's three elite series in NASCAR. We they call them the premier series. It's the truck series, the Xfinity series and the cup series. And it's kind of like a stepping stone. NASCAR makes us go through the ranks just to kind of prove that we have what it takes to compete at the next level. So I'm qualified to run the Xfinity series. It just comes down to sponsorship money. So the Xfinity is the the kind of the one people think about? Or is uh, that Xfinity's the... kind of in the middle. So okay. we all have our own like unique fan base. If you're, if you're a NASCAR fan, you kind of follow all three of the series just because you have drivers that are coming up. Mm-hmm. But the Cup Series is the elite level of motorsports in North America. Now you do the trucks. Do people can people do the cars too, or do they yeah, kind of pick so, one? Yeah, so so you can do you can do any of them. So uh, I had to do I think it was like six or seven races in the truck series, show that I wasn't a you know a reckless driver, and uh, and then I got approved for the Xfinity series. So mm-hmm. now I can go race Xfinity series, make a couple starts, and then get approved to run in the Cup series. My, my friend Allison's going to hate this because she always tells me don't don't mention that I grew up in New Mexico, but. I grew up in New Mexico, and there's a big road there called Unser, Al Unser. So, like, yep. for people in New Mexico, the Unser family is, like, that's the car yeah. kind of dynasty down there. Yeah, it's uh, – so, you know, growing up, watching NASCAR, like, you have your your drivers that you were a fan of. And, you know, for me, Dale Earnhardt was my number one driver. Mm-hmm. But the Waltrip brothers, Michael and Daryl, and, and now I'm really good friends with uh, Michael Waltrip. And his crew chief actually – owns a business in Eagle River, and uh, me and Michael talk about him all the time. So, see, I just saw the video, um, the real sad video. It was, like, Earnhardt right before yeah. they interviewed him, like, right before he died. Yeah. On that on that race. Kind of yeah, eerie, was, you know? You're watching it. It was just happened to be, I happened to come across it on Twitter, and I was thinking, of, you know, about interviewing you. But, yeah, it's, like, wild. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely... Have you been in a wreck, like a bad wreck, or...? I mean, I mean to most people, they're bad wrecks, but to us, they're just, you know... Part of the it's job. like I watch it sometimes, especially when there's a you know wreck, and it looks like fucked up. I mean, it looks like nobody, and then they walk, they like, yeah, walk so away. You know, it's I, crazy. I think the fastest I've hit in the wall is like 187, and you don't you don't feel it. Like it just it happens. You get out and you're like, okay, my race is it because is over. there's just so much safety? Uh, yeah, so we got a lot of safety like, implemented when Dale Earnhardt passed away. We got the safer barriers. We got mandatory that we have to wear neck restraints so a lot of things came from his his passing and, and since then we haven't had another death i think um you know people might think like oh it's easy to drive a you know a car for you know hours i've tried in those little track things like a little that is like oh my god it's like not just mentally but physically in your arm and yeah. just your your muscles and like all of it it's just it's just like i was like how do people do this for like i don't know how long is it Several hours, right? Yeah, you know, typically like a, a quick race will be like three hours. And it's funny because, you know, we refer to ourselves as as professional athletes and a lot of people will be like, oh, you're a NASCAR driver. You're not an athlete. And the conditions we're in are excruciating. Hot. It's 160 degrees inside yeah. the race car. We have no air conditioning. We're in a fire suit, you know, fireproof underwear, helmet, shoes, gloves. And we don't get a break. You know, we, we're we in there. Once you get in there, you're in there. Tell you ever get claustrophobic? Or, no, no. Because it's, it's not it's not it's not something you can just get out of, right? I mean, there's a whole pro, like. Yeah, I mean, 
technically I need to get out of it in under 10 seconds because my fire suit has a limitation on how long it's going to keep me from burning up. If well, like the fire. average person would take like for, I mean, come on, yeah, probably, probably couldn't an, even get out. An untrained person, you're going to, it's going to take you a while to get out, but you know, we kind of have to be able to get out in a hurry if we need to. So, um, I was reading up on you and you grew, you grew you moved here in the military. Yep. 2005 came here in the, when the, uh, air force station here. And I think I was on the Wikipedia. Did you go in in 2001? I did. I left for basic training on September 11, 2001. That's what I was going to ask if you went in because of 9-11 or before. No, I went in on 9-11. Wow. That's the day I, I enlisted. How old were you? Uh, I was 20. He just said, fuck it, I'm going. Yeah, so uh, wow, my that's... 20th birthday came around in May, and I was sitting there, and my grandfather served in the Air Force, and I was kind of at a crossroads of what I wanted mine, to mine, do. Mine, did, mine served in World War II in the Army Air Corps in the B-17s. Nice. Yeah, my grandfather was a, a navigator. can't remember what aircraft he was on. But... So was mine. Yeah, top turret navigator. In the, yeah. yeah. 50, did 50 missions when he was like early 20s and actually got shot down in one of them and bailed oh, wow. out over Yugoslavia and made wow. it back and k- finished his missions. Wow, that's crazy. Awesome. Yeah, crazy. Like nowadays, people are, you know, so kind of fragile. I'm yeah. thinking about back then, like these like 20 year old, you know, men just went out and fought and did like, and now it's like, you know, we, we need a vegan or like a, yeah. you know, a gluten free option. Do we have the right. you know, different, so, different generation? The, the, it changed, you know, in the recent years in the military, but when I was there, it was still pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my dad was in the Navy 25 years, so yeah. Vietnam era. Yeah, served served eight years, uh, suffered a traumatic brain injury in 2005. Oh, shit. And, uh, you know, that kind of just shaped my path to, to where I am now. So, yeah. So you grew up here and you decided to stay up here? Yeah, I, I, uh, I got married, uh, started a family. Got a, a really good career following the military and uh, just stayed here. I worked for the Department of Defense managing the long-range radar sites all over the, the state and kind of just, you know, was settled into a career and was like, this is where I'm going to retire and this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. And So you, you I guess, grew up watching racing, right? Car yeah, racing? Yeah. So you were always kind of into that. Yeah, every Sunday we'd sit down and watch watch NASCAR with my dad and my grandpa. Um, you know, every now and then on Saturday nights we'd go to the local track and watch some sprint car racing with my dad. So it was always something that I wanted to do as a kid. You know, it's like, oh, that's what I want to be a NASCAR I know there's pe- several people that I know that are kind of involved in the summertime, like the Speedway there out by Palmer. Yep. That, that's like a, that's a, so, but how do you go from being here and doing car stuff to, I, mean, I imagine like it's like any sport, it's really only a few people can get in really of all the people that are trying. Is that? Yeah. You know, NASCAR, it's, it's a really small group of, of drivers, right? There's probably less than 200 drivers that are actual NASCAR drivers at the elite levels. So I actually got discovered at the Extreme Fun Center racing the go-karts. Really? Um, so, uh, yeah. You somebody know, they, happened to, like, somebody, a NASCAR person or somebody saw you? Yeah, so I, you know, I started going there just because it was like, you know, I wanted to be a race car driver, and I was like, this is the best I'll ever get. So I went to the Fun Center, got really good, set the track record, and uh, one night a guy came up and he said, hey, man, you ever thought of racing a NASCAR? I'm like, yeah, my whole life. He's like, well, come drive for me. He ran a team out at the track in, in uh, Palmer there and, uh, you know, went and looked at his stuff and then decided that it was probably best for me to just do it on my own. So me and my buddy Joe bought a car out of California, went online, figured out how to how to run it and how to work on so, it. So how, so how does it work? I mean, I know everybody has sponsors, but do you, do you have to – I mean, there's like – I assume there's prize money and things, but do you kind of pay – are you expected to like bring your own car and do your own stuff and have your own team and – and yeah, then, so, you know, at the at the level here in the state, it's kind of like the hobby level. And uh, you can have sponsors, you can fund it your own way. But I'm always, you know, with my background, with my mom, 
always went with her to these sponsor pitches and meetings. And so I kind of knew what to do. And uh, I just went out and started finding sponsors. And at the premier level that I'm at now, it's still the same. You got to find sponsorships or you got to have family money. And so um, is it like, and, 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 you know, forgive me, I don't really, I, I watch it a little bit, but I'm not really like versed in the NASCAR. Is it like, like the happy Gilmore where even the guy, like the last place gets a little bit of money or is it like, how does yeah. the prize pool So work? every, everybody, everybody gets paid. Um, it just all depends on the purse. So typically in a, in a truck race, our purse will be around like 700 to a million. So and I assume the top people get kind of the bulk and then it kind of tr- goes yeah, down. It trickles down. I, you know, for the most part, if I finish dead last, I think it, you know, most tracks, it's like $7,500. That's like the happy Gilmore when he's like, remember that when he's like, give me one of those fucking checks. I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) So you're, so you're going like, it's a circuit. I mean, it's not what's, there's, you know, I I think a lot of us think of like, um, what's the one in Florida? Uh, Daytona. Daytona. That's like the one kind of people think about. Yep. But there's, I was reading there's tracks all over. I mean, Indianapolis obviously is another one. Yeah. So we, it's a, it's a national touring series. So we, we travel, um, the truck series, 23 races. So I'm on the road a lot. Uh, first race Daytona coming up in February. So when you tell people you're from Alaska, you said you're the only Alaskan on the circuit, right? Yeah. I'm the first Alaskan ever in the history of the sport. So are they kind of like what? What I mean, what are you driving on snow, dude? Or what? Are they yeah, like so with you? I've I've gotten that quite a bit. And they're like, how do you learn to drive race cars? Don't you guys just have sled dogs up there? And I'm like, <laughs> you know, we've got roads and cars. And they're like, yeah, but it's always covered in snow. And I'm like, do you not ever go anywhere? Like, we have a summer. So, so, so you're um, did I was reading? Did, did Barstool? Did, are they a sponsor? Yeah. So Barstool was. I love that. Barstool was one of my sponsors. Um, I actually it was uh, ooh, let's see, that was 2021. I uh, was racing at Charlotte, had a sponsor dropout, went on Twitter. Dave Portnoy, love and, that, love that guy. Yeah. You, have you met him or do you know uh, him? I've, I haven't met him. We've just conversed quite a lot. And uh, I put a tweet out. I was like, hey, I need a, a miracle. I've had a sponsor dropout. I'm, I'm also the first disabled veteran in the history of the sport. So the Memorial Day weekend race is real big for mm-hmm. uh, the military. And uh, Dave Portnoy slid in my DMs and was like, what do you need? And no shit. I was just like, this isn't the real Dave Portnoy. And then uh, he started. Did you like? Did you go and, check the account? I mean, I'm assuming he has millions of. Yeah, I know. went and looked at the account and I was like, man, this guy's got two and a half million followers. It's really Dave Portnoy in my DMs. So he, he's known for just being that kind of guy. Like, yeah. he's a lot of stories about him and doing stuff like that. He had the deal where, fuck, what was that? There was, it was, um, was it with the uh, Patriots or the, you know about this? There was some deal no. where he was going to pay. It was like a au- charity auction, a charity auction. And, and it was some, I think it was a Patriot. I'm pretty sure it was a Patriots, but he like hated the guy, but it was like yeah. the, the, the winner gets like a, 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 a box seat with him for like one of the games. And he like oh. paid some obscene amount of money for it just to like, Oh, fuck with it him. was with uh, Roger Goodell, the commissioner. Was it Good- of- Maybe it was good. Yeah. So yeah, it was, cause they, they had like online beef. And, and so he bought, he paid like, an insane amount of money yeah. to be able to do it. And then he won, but they canceled it. Yeah. Love that guy. I mean, I just love that. Yeah, he's he's a stand-up guy. And, you know, he he came back on board with me in 2022 at Charlotte as well as one of my co-sponsors for for the race and just super supportive. And that really, like, kind of springboarded my career because Barstool was my, my second race in the truck series, and I had Barstool Sports. And the race before that, my very first race in the truck series, um, we had on Good Sam, which is uh, mm-hmm. – the same owner of Camping World and uh, all those other brands that he owns. So when they sponsor, obviously they get the, the the branding and all that. And if you 
hit a big one, do they get some like do they get a piece of the action or is that just kind of separate? Yeah, it's just they're, they're doing it because they want to support the, it, the driver, the sport. It's marketing, right? So they're they're advertising. You know, it's a good good sell for them, and then they get some they get some perks and benefits, VIP passes and track mm-hmm. access, and you know, little other things that we we throw in there. Well, well, now, I assume your costs are like obviously the vehicle, the maintenance. We have a team, right? You have probably how many people do you have working on the on? Because I see like when they the pit stop thing, there's like fucking 10 yeah. People so uh, we've got ten crew, traveling crew members, and then we hire the pit crew when we're at the track. Um, so as just the driver, the the team owner, and the team kind of prepare the vehicles. The team owner has twenty five trucks that he owns, and so each. So this is like a whole economy. I mean, this is so. I mean, yeah, it's thousands a, of people probably are you know working uh, it, for and with NASC. Yeah, like without all the teams, yeah, there's there's a lot of. A lot of people, a lot of moving parts. When I was, I lived in Australia for a year in 2017 and I was in Darwin, Australia and they had something called the V8s. Yeah, the supercars. And I went to the, I got a, I was, knew somebody that had some tickets and I got kind of a little special V8, you know, X. It was, that was like wild. And that was a bunch of those guys are coming over and and racing NASCAR. There's a a guy, Shane, I can't remember his last name. It's SVG, whatever his his name is. He came over and raced a cup race this year on the Mm -hmm. road course and won it. First race. Now that's a different kind of deal, or the V8. Is that a different car? Um, or? It it is a, a different car, but but a lot of similarities. And so they run mostly road courses there. So him coming over and jumping into a NASCAR, it's a V8. You know, kind of same size, same same weight. And he went out and put on a clinic and won the race. And so now he's racing full time in the Xfinity Series this year. So now you probably heard the Vegas. They just had the um, the F1 race. The F1 yep. and. That's a different, a whole different deal. But a yeah. friend of mine had got tickets and a while back, and he's kind of wealthy. And I asked him, probably paid a lot. <laughs> well, I, said, I said, "Hey, because I wanted to go, and I was like, how much are tickets?" And he said, ten thousand dollars. And I said, yeah. "Okay, skip the next question because that's like crazy." So I was down there in Vegas. I go a couple times a year play poker tournaments. I was down there this summer, and they, you know, since last year, they were getting the place ready. They were, I mean, the whole like strip and, yeah. and just the construction and, and the, the impact it had on kind of traffic, but. The crazy thing is, when I was down there in October, kind of before the race, they had put up, um, you know, these, you've been to Vegas, I'm sure oh, yeah. they have these br- bridges where you cross the, the strip and all that. They had put this, like, metal fencing yeah. o- over the bridges. And they then wanted co- to and block then people from seeing it. Covered, yeah, covered it with, like, opaque, yeah. me- which I thought it's like, you know, what the fuck? Like, how dare the peasants get, like, a little view? But what I heard was um, it didn't make as much money as they thought. Yeah, I know. So then ticket prices kind of started going down. They did. I think they fell like 80% in the weeks leading up to the race. But but there's the, I was talking to a cab driver there that the um, F1 series, you can pay like some amount of money, which I don't think it's a lot of money. You can go out, you can get tickets to all of the races, except they excluded Vegas and Monte Carlo. Yeah. So you have to pay like, and there's people that are paying like, it was fucking crazy, like 20 grand the, for like a hotel room with a view. The money in F1 is ridiculous ridiculous like it to run an f1 team you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars a year and they only race like i think 15 16 times how does somebody you know compared to your path like is it the same path how do they get into that it's a whole different kind of yeah i mean it's my path into nascar is unheard of like there's most everybody that i race with started when they were little kids and worked their way up right and what i did is is unheard of um F1 is is similar that they have to start young. They start them in carts, and then they move up into the the lower F1 series, the F2, F3, F4. F1, I, I feel like it's more more Europeans involved it in is. that. It is, yeah. So this is like the 
I mean, this goes back to, I assume that for our, I mean, long time ago, these kind of. Yeah. All the, all the Italian manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So it, it's just, it's big money. And even now in Vegas, I was, you know, down there and um, they have the, I mean, some friends went in December and they have like the whole, I don't know, pit, whatever they, it's still there. I think they're going to yeah. leave it there. It's going to, so I think be for there for 10 years. They signed a 10 year deal there in Vegas with F1. So F1 is, is on Vegas is different because that's the only track F1 is paid for. Mm-hmm. All the other ones are privately owned venues that F1 just contracts to go race there. And so I think that's why the price was so high, just because the Formula One franchise was trying to recoup as much of their investment well, I mean, they, they, off the top, and they missed the mark. Were you down there at all when they were when they were building it up? I mean, it was like no. So we race we race Las Vegas in the spring. So like in March, I'll be there to race, not on the the road course, but at the at the Super Speedway. So when we were there last year, they were building the paddock and stuff, but they hadn't done anything. Paddock, on the yeah, street. that's the term. Yeah. So, so your 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 races are always like the TV, like the circle, the circle, right? Not all of them. So we do have road courses, but uh, we the truck series this year we only have one, and that's at uh, in Coda, which is Circuit of Americas in mm-hmm. Austin, Texas, where F one also races. My, my buddy asked you, asked me to ask you if it's weird if you only make left turns. Is that is that true? Is that the case, or is that a? Yeah, I mean ninety. 95% of our turns are left turns, but, uh, you know, with road courses, we turn right. And then also, even when we're on a, a circle track, we're turning more right than we do left. So like when I'm going down the straightaway, I'm turning more to the right than I do left when I'm going through the corners, just the way the cars are set up. And so, so are there, and, and I probably a dumb question, but are there, I mean, I watch it, like, are there rules on like when you can pass and how you can, no, there's, I mean, I mean pretty much on like, do whatever you want. Under caution, we're not allowed to pass, but you know, if the green flag's out, you, it's kind of game on. You're not you're not supposed to intentionally wreck anybody, but uh, you know, it happens. I feel like that's why a lot of people watch it. Yeah, there's a lot they, of they want they want to see the wreck, which is kind of a sick thing, like glad, a lot you know, of, gladiator type mentality. But they want to see like something. Yeah, I mean, that's the exciting part. But some some tracks just have a a lot of excitement in the race itself. Some tracks, you know, it's a boring race and there's no wrecks. I think, you know, we've seen it at Las Vegas a few times. We definitely won't see it at Daytona. Daytona is definitely going to have a lot of wrecks. So is this a thing where you know a lot of these guys, you're on the circuit, you're obviously competing, but then are you having like beers after? Are you going for dinner? Like, are you kind of, is it? Um, some some of them are, you know, are, are good friends you hang out with off track. But for the most part, you know, we just call them track friends. You see them mm-hmm. on the weekend and then. We all have our own things to go do during the week, and whether it's sponsor engagements or you know media stuff. So, what's your? You've been doing this a couple of years. What's your kind of? How long? Like, when do you go? Like, when's the kind of season? When, when are you competing? And so how long our, are you gone? Our season is extremely long. In I think we have the longest season in all of professional sports. Our season starts in mid February and then goes all the way till early November. So it's pretty much the whole year. Um, so in two weeks, I head down to Charlotte to do all of my media stuff and my uh, medical, and then come back to Alaska for two weeks, and then head back down to get ready for Daytona. So everything is, I assume it's all trucks, and you're, are you driving with the team, or do you fly? Like, is, is it- um, I mean, it depends. If it's within eight hours of the shop, then we'll drive. But uh, for the most part, if it's more than that, we'll fly. Where do you, where is your kind of um, home, your home base for... Your, your truck and so the the team is based out of Mooresville, North Carolina, and that's kind of like the epicenter of NASCAR. That's where all the big teams are located. A lot of the manufacture of the parts and and, and uh, race equipment are there. So Mooresville, North Carolina, is where we're we're out of as far as the team. But you know, 
I live out in Wasilla, so. That's like wild. So, so now this after the season, are you kind of where you are you at the peak now at the, where you're competing at, or can you? Is there one more level? You're saying there's three levels, or there's so, three. So I'm in the trucks, and so I can, I'll go to the Xfinity Series when I get the sponsorship money for that, and then go on to the Cup Series, and so it's just more sponsorship money that's required to race each level. Um, something else I wanted to ask you, and I, I got a, you told me about this, I looked it up, and this is like fucking crazy. Yeah. You, somebody put a bunch of bit, like million, how much, how much money was it in your bit in your wallet? Yeah. So it was October, end of October of twenty. 21 and i uh i woke up one morning with 181 million dollars in my crypto account so this is like a um like one of those coinbase type things or something yeah it was it was coinbase and uh I, so you you look you go on and you're like what the fuck this has got to be yeah, well, a mistake I saw, I saw a lot of commas and i was like man that doesn't look right so i you know closed the app down and refreshed it and opened it back up and it was still there and i was like what is 180 going? million dollars. Yeah, I was like, what is going on? You know, and in my mind, I'm like buying helicopters and private islands and like everything. I'm like, I'm sad. I can go racing the rest of my life. And I was excited. And then, you know. But like you, you probably knew it wasn't like the coins didn't move enough to. Oh, yeah. No, what you, what you was, held didn't have happen to reach that. Amount. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, was following crypto heavily at that time. And I had known that the coin I was holding hadn't increased that much. And, uh, and so, you know, I sat there and I, I talked to some friends and then just came to the realization that somebody out there has made a huge mistake. I mean, you've heard of people, you know, going to their bank, there was a mistake and somebody got a bunch of money in there, but usually the bank realizes that or whatever. Yeah. But But, but in this case, you, it's like once it's in, that's in. Yeah. So when you make a transfer in crypto, it pops up and says, verify that the account you're sending it to is correct because there's no going back. And so it's all unregulated. So, I mean, like legally, there was nothing on writing on what I should do. Like I probably legally could have kept it, but like morally, I was was not. So what you? So what? Way. So so tell, 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 so we. What you uh, did. I made a I made a tweet and uh, tagged Coinbase in it and said, "Hey, Coinbase, I woke up to 181 million dollars. It doesn't belong to me. I'd like some help getting it back to the rightful owner." And you know, from there, it would just chaos ensued and everybody and their brother I assume assume the tweet went fucking crazy yeah and uh everybody was hitting me up for for money I think it was it was trending you know in international news and so you know people were just I I remember hearing about like I I remember vividly some somebody had a bunch of the the other one uh you I think people heard about is somebody was like locked out and they had like 10 password attempts and for a lot of money I mean similar kind of money and it was like they, and then the other one where, where somebody, th- you know, because there's like, I just read this book. I have a book club, and I think it might be over there in my bookcase. Uh, is it over there? Yeah. Easy Money. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, the guy who played uh, in the OC, what's his name? Uh, ben uh, McKenzie, actor. No. He was like in the OC and God. Anyway, he partnered up with this guy, Jacob Silverman, to kind of write a, a pretty critical book about crypto and kind of some of the problems associated with it. But um, there was the guy who, because you have the Coinbase, which is yeah. kind of the, the app or the wallet on your, you know, you have an account, but then you have the actual like hard drive wallet yeah. where you, it's a physical thing like cash and somebody, I guess it, the computer got tossed and they were try, paying to go through the landfill because there was yeah. like, like he was, tens of, it was a huge amount I of money. that story. He, so early days of Bitcoin, you could mine them with any computer and 
it was really easy to do. You could sit there and, you know, mine a hundred of them in a day. They were only worth like, you know, a couple bucks. And so people just saw them as this novelty. There was a guy who bought the pizza, right? Yeah. Novelty story. They put, when Bitcoin first came out, you could put your email in and they would give you 10 free Bitcoins and it was enough to buy a pizza. Mm -hmm. And so I have a lot of friends that did it and bought pizzas. And I'm like, you idiot, you could have held on to those and had, you know, hundreds of millions or hundreds of thousands of dollars. But the one guy was just sitting there mining all these Bitcoins nonstop and then took his hard drive out, put it in his desk and forgot about it. And then realized, and I think at the time Bitcoin was only worth like $8,000. And he was like, holy cow, I'm sitting on millions and millions of dollars and went to find the hard drive and his, his wife had thrown it out. So he went to the landfill trying to find it. They never found it. Oh my God. So, so what, so how did, now how did this go? Like everybody and their brother saying it's my money, but you have, there's, there's gotta be a way to prove, right? Yeah. So everybody was, was hitting me up. I had people asking me for, for handouts and whatnot. The FBI contacted me. They wanted me to forfeit the account because they thought it was drug cartel laundering money out oh, of the country. Shit. And I was like, I was like, oh, no, this isn't, that's not good. So, so the thing is, and there's like several, a movie and plot about this, like, I'm thinking of the one, uh, No Country for Old Men. Like, if you yeah. keep it, somebody's going to come after Like, yeah, somebody's going to eventually find like, out. You, you, it's probably the, the risk of that kind of money is so insane. Like, you want to well, give it back. For know? the most part, it, it was on my phone, right? So anybody could have came up and mugged me or shot me while I had it and taken my phone and then transferred it to themselves. So it was stressful. It was very stressful. Um, but, you know, it... It all worked out in six weeks. We found the rightful owner, and so how did? Um, I don't know if you've said this. Do you like? Have you said who the owner is? Or yeah, no, I prefer not to say who the, the owner is. But but you like? They yeah, proved. So they proved that it, it was verified. Please tell so me they gave you something. Like they gave you I, like a little. Not even thing. a thank you. Yeah, I didn't get. I didn't get anything. I was uh, talking about finder's fee. They didn't. Yeah, get, didn't get a penny. Didn't even get a thank you from them. So you know, I mean, I'm thinking ten percent, five percent. I mean, yeah, even two percent, even one percent would have been one point eight million. million. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, yeah, I didn't get, didn't get a, didn't even get two nickels. That is crazy. So. I mean, you should have fucking kept it. I mean, that's crazy. They didn't give yeah. you nothing. Was, that's like that's like when when I was a kid, I found somebody's wallet, and I, I looked at them up, and I, I you know, and they gave it was like nothing, hundred bucks. They gave me like twenty bucks. Yeah, you know, yeah, same no, principle. I didn't, didn't get anything. I was you know hoping it would work into like a like a sponsorship deal with them and. You know, at the least, and nothing. Yeah, and, hey, like I'm doing, you know, I'm doing, I'm doing the NASCAR and it was, guys. It was explained to me on why, from somebody else, from a financial standpoint, on why they couldn't give me anything or why they couldn't thank me or do anything public, and you know, it it's was a horrible reason. I, I want to ask you like who it is or anything, but is it somebody like we we would know, or is it just like uh, anonymous? Yeah, thing? it was it was a large corporation. Oh man, that's that. They should have. I don't like this. They should have yeah. hooked you up. They they should have, especially because. They paid millions of dollars for a Super Bowl commercial, so I'm like, you guys could have given me two million dollars, and I, you know, could have given you. Two that's just, years I mean, that's just like literally, it's like a mo- like a movie plot. Like you wake up, and yeah, you're like like rich. It was, it was so. It happened. I I think it was a Tuesday when I woke up to it. Uh, Wednesday, I made the announcement. Thursday, I and this was pre-planned. I was going to Las Vegas to the SEMA show. So, oh, the car. Yeah, yeah. It's so a big I'm, car show. I'm walking around at SEMA and there's, you know, Lamborghinis and custom, you know, classic cars. I'll take that. 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 Like, <laughs> my buddy's like, we can afford to buy it all. And I was like, so, we so, probably could. But so, so obviously not morally, but legally, I mean, was it yours? Like, is it? Yeah. So is it like, is it like somebody leaving a briefcase of money? And so if, if you were to find a briefcase of money on the side of the street, you legally can't claim it. 
right? You have to go through what's due process. So you have to put like an ad in the newspaper or on social media or something public that you found money and, you know, you're looking for the rightful owner. And when it's actual paper money, you have 30 days, right? So you have to do that for 30 days and you have to show that you're searching for the owner. If you can't find the owner or the owner doesn't come forward, then legally you can keep it. With crypto, though, there's nothing on on paper on what to do. So well, that's, that's part of what that book is about, yeah. um, the, the easy money, about how there's just there. I mean, that Sam Bankman-Fried was actually donating a lot of money yeah. to the, you know, and there was some t- talk about kind of regulating it on some level. But then you have, um, so I was watching, this is years back, maybe last year I was watching uh, Meet the Press and um, John Tester, the senator from, from Montana was on there. Yeah. And he made this kind of profound comment. He goes, I'm really concerned with regulating it because because he didn't like it because then we're giving it credibility. Yeah. So there's a whole, you're right, there's there's really very little, I mean, there's a little bit of like SEC yeah. involvement, but it's, it's and, as far as laws go, there's really nothing. And that's where I didn't want to like commit like security frauds. And I also didn't want to be like the example, right? Like, let's say I kept the money and then somebody comes forward and I'm like, too bad, you you know, you lost. Well, clearly they have enough money to, to go out and get lawyers and you mm-hmm. know, go after me. Or hire a hitman to kill me, right? Like, what if it was the cartel's money? So I was going to so, say, like, if it's cartel, that's one thing. But when you realize it wasn't, like... It, I didn't know if it was cartel. I, I told the FBI, I said, am I breaking any laws by not giving it back to you? And he said, no, technically it's unregulated. You're not breaking any laws. And I said, okay, well, if it's the cartel's money, they're going to come after me. You guys found it's me. It's just like no country for old men. Yeah. He, 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 if he would have just left, they wouldn't, but he came back. Yeah. Because he felt bad about the guy, you know, and then they see him, they spot him, and it's, like, big money, and it's the cartel, you know, and then yeah. they, they go after him. Yeah. So it was like, you know, I was like, oh, my God. It was funny because it popped up as government informant when the FBI called. And I was like, I'm not answering that. And then they called oh, back shit. a couple times. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe they want to talk. What's the other movie? A Simple Plan. Have you seen that? No. It's uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, they, they, they're they out hiking. It's like two brothers and some friends. And they find a plane. Yeah. And it's full of ca- a crash plane full of cash. And they devise this plan to basically uh, hi- like keep the money wait and see what happens. Um, and then they get in the big, obviously some of the people, his buddy, they're kind of broke. So they want the money and then it yeah. becomes this whole thing. And, and like people are, are dying over, you know, and in the end, like it's, it's like marked money anyways. Yeah. But same exact same kind of like, you know, you, it makes, it creates so many problems. It, yeah. It was stressful. It was super stressful, but got a lawyer, talked to him. They, you're, you're married? No. You have like a single you have a family or people. I mean, I've, I've kids. Yeah. Are, are, they must've been like, what the shit? Um, I, they kind of, I kind of shelter them from a lot of things. So they just recently, like, I think this last year they found it online. So you said you had a lawyer, got a, you got a lawyer? Yeah, I got a lawyer just cause I wanted to find out like what, what I could do. Like, you know, if I don't find the rightful owner, like what are we doing? And he told me to wait 60 days. He said, you know, for regular money, it's 30. He said, let's wait 60 days. If you can't find the rightful owner, or they don't come forward. Good job. You did what you could start spending. And so. So they, they, I assume, pretty quick, quickly got a hold. They, they proved that they six weeks for them to contact me. Six weeks, but but a lot of people were. Yeah, I had a lot of people that said it was theirs, and you know, you've got to vet these people, right? Like somebody's like, "Hey, that's my money." I'd have to vet them and find out. So now you're spending your own time and resources. Yeah, so it was stressful. It it took up a lot of time. You know, like every day I had thousands of messages, and I'd have to go through them because the Coinbase people like want to help you out or any any. That's crazy. No. Did you get, I assume you got a lot of media. I mean, there are stories. I looked yeah, it up. There was I all mean, these stories. Yeah, it, it was international headlines. So I think I had a friend contact me and he's like, holy cow, man, like your face is on the front page of Google. 
I was like, what? He's like, yeah, the story. So you're getting, you're getting like so, big, like journalists, like reporters contacting you and yeah. you know, what, like what's up. Yeah, it was. Uh, so did you show like, a, I assume a screenshot or cause you could say yeah, that without. I, I had a screenshot of, uh, of, of my Coinbase account and, and then, you know, if it was in person, I'd just open up the account. And show I'm really, them. I'm really, uh, frustrated, uh, disappointed that they didn't sponsor your, your I mean, they should have, yeah. they should have been like your, your fucking yeah, <laughs> premier sponsor for the rest of know, your career. It, that that would have been, that would have been nice. But, and not only that, it would have been such a really good like message to send, you know, on honesty and, and mm-hmm. doing the right thing. And, you know, like I, I didn't, I didn't do the right thing because that's what I was hoping would happen. But I think, you know, in today's society, we focus so much on the, on the bad on things we need some feel good stuff. And I think that could have been a really good feel good message, yeah, no, that, I, you know, do the right thing. And it has good consequences. hundred percent. Said yeah. I did the right thing. And now I eat top ramen. So. Well, if folks want to, um, hopefully you're going to win this time. You, you know, get some big wins and get some cash. Yeah. Talib- if folks want to, you know, they're they're They can watch it. It's on TV and, and yep. you know, you know, February social media. 16th, Daytona. Okay. Well, um, I, what I want to do actually, I want to come down to one of these races. Yeah, and see ya, and I can you know your media, so you get media passes. Maybe I can, yeah, maybe you can give me the the uh, ways to get the media credential, or whatever. But I'd love to come down there and you know cover that. And so you, you, you know. say you're a gambler. Oh yeah. So uh, you may know of my uh, sponsor that I had in Las Vegas um, a couple years ago. His name's Mickey Mays. He goes by the Dirty Goth Boy. Oh, I think I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Covered in tattoos. Yeah, big ga- big gambler. Yeah, big like, gambler. I think he's been kicked out of several casinos. Yeah, right? he's, uh, he's banned. He, from... he went on like a baccarat run um, a couple years back, and it was like millions. It was like pretty insane. Yeah, million. yeah. I I I don't know. I know who he is. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a. Uh, I think blackjack. He he got booted from. I think he. He's not the, sure if he can go into anymore. If he has a few, he's he can the still number one baccarat player in the world. Mm-hmm. I know he went on some wild baccarat run. Yeah, uh, and I think it was. Which casino? Anyways, he's not allowed. But but then some of the other people like that they they want it. They want you to come back. Yeah. So they they give you a special treatment and they can you know they they incentivize you. There's a guy uh, back in the like the seventies. You've heard of Archie? I think so. Yeah. He, he, There's a movie I think about him. He ran up in craps like not very much money um, up to I, I have to look it up. I think it was like fifty million. Yeah. And he almost. Like bankrupted some casino, you know, and he he just was on this like epic several month long run of just insane winning, yeah, and and he ended up losing all of it. Wow. Yeah, Archie. Yeah, Greek guy. This is kind of the same kind of, but it was like to the point where they were kind of begging him to come because they they wanted the money back. Yeah, and you know they eventually yeah, but this this so he, he was one of your sponsors. Yeah, so he sponsored my Las Vegas race in 2021. I saw him on TikTok, DM'd him, and I was like, hey man, like. This is my plan. Took him ten thousand um, dollars. We end up losing all the way down. We lost my ten thousand and twenty five thousand of his relatively quickly, like in two hours. And then we turned the tables and and came back and end up winning eighty two thousand dollars. Yeah, it's you know you play. It's wild the swings and those. Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to. I think the biggest thing is when you're playing black blackjack or baccarat play games like that. Is people and I go with friends and I don't play that you know crazy money, but I, I bet you know I, and. I, I play, and the the thing people make mistakes on is you bet big when you're up, yeah. And you you know when you're down, you try to claw claw back. But a lot of people they they go the opposite. When they're down, they bet big. When they're up, they bet small. Yeah. And when you're up big, that you're essentially playing with their money. You know that's when you make the. But a lot of people don't. They it doesn't it doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's, it's not intuitive. It was uh, it, it was quite the roller coaster rides, and they're watching him trying to win his money, and then you know his face was on the car and. 
he had a bunch of other uh, celebrities that came out and hung out, and it, it was. Well, you you should let me know when. You know, are you going to be in Vegas at some point? Yeah, uh, I think the first weekend in March is our Vegas race. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll keep. Well, let's keep in touch. Maybe I'll come yeah. down there and yeah, we'll uh, do a little coverage for you, a little, little Alaska yeah. coverage. That'd be awesome. And yep. if there's anybody out there listening that wants to come on board and sponsor, you know, I've got main sponsorships open, secondary sponsorships, associate sponsorships. You know, it's a really good way to get your uh, get your brand out there, and it comes with some good incentives, free VIP passes. and What's you know, the best experience. way to uh, get a hold of you? Uh, uh, on my Instagram okay. is the best, Keith underscore McGee underscore seven, and uh, I'm verified it's the blue check mark. Yeah, so. we should get you locked up with some good, like, I mean, there's so many fucking Alaska companies. I've, that... I've had some Alaskan companies that have come on board. Um, Packback, which uh, is an Alaskan-based company here um, mm-hmm. that's, you know, just incredible in the, in the cooler market, what they've done. Um, really cool story, too, with them. Uh, they they sponsored my Talladega race, which was my best finish. I, I finished 10th, led a lap, started dead last. So that was pretty cool. Uh, Vulcan Towing, which is good group yeah. of people here in, in Anchorage. They've, they've come on board and sponsored. So, you know, uh, just, you know, it's always good to have hometown support. Yeah, no, especially you're the only... I mean, you get the whole state, you know. You're the only. You're the only. Alaska. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the only. But you know, hopefully, I'm not the last. Hopefully, there's a, a lot of people, you know, that can kind of follow my path now in in NASCAR. Whether it's not the exact same path, but somebody's beating the doors down, and now people know that we have racing here in Alaska, and anybody can do it. Well, Keith, man, it's great, great meeting you and, and talking to you. I'm, I'm glad Rose set this up, and looking for. I'm definitely going to try to. Come, I'm going to plan to come down to one of the races this yeah. year and watch it. And that'd be uh, that'd be great. And yeah, folks are listening, and, and you're looking to. You know, sport, sport in Alaska and sponsor. Good tax right off too. Get it, get it, get a hold of Keith. Uh, yeah. I, I, I love that man. Well, it's great meeting you. You, you have kind of the it's audio, but you have, you have kind of the the snowboarder skier look with the hat and the sweat. Yeah. So, like I said, you know, I was, you know, Northern California, Lake Tahoe. I was a semi pro snowboarder for you know a long time. Mm-hmm. Almost qualified for the X Games when I was younger, and so yeah. Just, oh, so this is like the Sean White era because you were yeah two thousand yeah you went in the military because we're. I'm I'm 39. You're probably what 40, 42. 40, yeah. So we're kind of similar age. Yep. And wait, well, last thing is your your mom was an Olympian, right? Yeah, my mom won Olympic gold medal in 1988 in, in Canada. Yeah. And skiing, skiing, yeah. So her story is it's kind of I like ironic how similar it is to mine, right? I had my traumatic brain injury and came back from a lot of challenges to compete professionally in sports. My mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in the early 80s paralyzed on the right side of her body told was told she'd never walk again and then went on to win olympic gold in 88 wow unreal yeah was your injury was it military related or was it just it was un- yeah. military related yeah. so. well you look great man sounds great big 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 fan yeah you know uh just talking about my troubles and, and whatnot you know that most all of our veterans face have been really helpful for me to deal with the things that i've had to deal with so you know, I'm always open to talk. If anybody's out there struggling with their mm-hmm. mental health or struggling with just, you know, trying to find their way in life, reach out to me. You know, I'm always open to talk and share my story and, you know, hopefully inspire some people. Yeah, and Meet the Press this week, they just did a whole special on kind of mental health. And, and it's just kind of the, the rise in, in harm and suicide. And yeah. It's just really kind of scary. And I, I think some of it's maybe COVID-related, everybody getting, you know, I don't know, stuck in a house. And then you have all this, like, you know, social media, obviously, yeah. that contributes. And I think it's just we have more access to to one another nowadays. So we it's more prevalent, right? So I mean, for, for millions of years or, you know, hundreds of, you know, people had an orbit of about 50 people. Yeah. And that's it. That's really all you had, right? But but now that that's, it's just in a couple, in a decade or more, you know, it's gone from being, having a little orbit of people in your life to, like, 
everybody in the whole world can be in your life, you know, yeah, and yeah. comment and, and give, you know, say millions things. Millions and millions of people. And it's just, it's our, I was reading a book about how we just, we're not, humans aren't wired like that. Yeah. Cause, cause for our whole evolution, that was now it's all changed. So it's, it's, it's impacting, you know, our ability to form relationships and how we think and feel. And especially young, young people, you know, it you, is, yeah. you see like, especially girls from when Instagram kind of got a, a rise and you look at like all the statistics and it just tracks the rise of kind of Instagram and, you know, social media. Yep. So, well, it's good. You know, it's good to be talking about that. Yeah. I, I like that, you know, if anybody has anything going on to reach out to you. Yeah. Like you that. know, I, I'm just a regular guy that has gotten this extraordinary opportunity to chase a dream. And so, you know, I, I don't want anybody to ever feel like they can't just reach out and talk to me because I'm just a regular guy, right? I'm just getting to do something really fun and really cool. So I know there's a lot of people out there that, that struggle with the same things I do and, and struggle with a lot more than I do. So I just don't want anybody to ever feel like they're alone. Well, Keith, it's great meeting you. I, I love that what you said there. Um, we'll be in touch. And I'm, I'm prom- promise I'm going to come down and Definitely. find a way yeah. to see one of the races yeah, just, this year. Just so. let me know. I'll get you in contact with the, to get your media credentials and go okay. down and have a good time. Love that. That, sound, that sounds great. Looking forward to it. Keith McGee, NASCAR driver. Racer, Alaskan, um, great talking to you, buddy. Really appreciate yeah, it. Likewise, Jeff. Okay, yeah, folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one.